Hey, hey, welcome back to the Associates Podcast. I'm your host and producer, John Bomberger, and I'm glad to have you listening in today. Before I enter this episode, please remember to leave me a review and connect with me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Feel free to drop a comment or question or an idea for a future episode. In this week's episode, I had the great fortune of sitting down with Terry Orendi, founder and president of Bountiful Blessings, a nonprofit based in Mechanicsburg, PA, serving people across 20 locations, more than 20 locations, spanning a three-state area with plans to continue expanding this year. Listen in as Terry shares her incredible story of faith getting this amazing organization started. You'll appreciate her boldness in taking huge leaps of faith and not allowing, and this is key in this episode, not allowing what other people think deter her from her vision. I know you'll be as intrigued by this story as I am. So I always like to start off, you know, these episodes with just having you introduce yourself and letting people know what what uh, you think they should know about about Terry Orendi. Am I saying your last name right? Orendi. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. Um, I guess the biggest thing for me is that uh, I am a child of God. That's my my biggest thing, and that everything I do is faith driven. Uh, I don't call the shots. I just follow the lead. Uh, and I think that's probably also been the hardest lesson. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, that's who I am. It's uh, I'm just a follower. Have you always identified that way, or has that been a, a lifelong been, process? I would say it's been a lifelong process. Uh, I was probably more of a rebel, and okay. Uh, uh, there, there were probably a lot of names for me when I was younger. Uh, more hardcore. Okay. But, uh, and we had our kids very young. Josh was, I was 19. Christy, I was 24. Yep. And so, uh, you know, raising them young, we had a business. We had a flower shop for 10 years. Okay. So my husband and I, you know, we raised the kids in the flower shop. They, so they're all business-minded. Yep. Both the kids are entrepreneurs. <laughs> yep. Because uh, that's what they grew up in. Yep. Um, and then um, when my husband went into comedy, uh, he became, uh, he started traveling the country. And uh, so yeah, then I went into uh, working for someone, yep. which was a new experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was all, it was all good. We, we made it work. Uh, we sold the business because of my father-in-law's health. Uh, he had uh, Alzheimer's. Okay. And my husband was an only child. Okay. So the decision was family first. And it's always been that way. Everything we did was family first. Okay. And uh, and then as Ron uh, got more involved in the entertainment world, sure. we pulled the kids into it. You know, well, anything we did, everyone kind of got pulled into it. Yeah. Uh, and so Ron did, uh, we did parades, costume characters, <laughs> uh, birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of fun things. And I didn't know that. What a, what so a the, neat thing. So the kids got pulled into that. Yeah. Um, in the summertime, they I would let them go on the road with him. Okay. So uh, I pre-screened the acts that were, he was going to be with to make sure they were... I'd say, okay, Ron, he's allowed... They're, they're allowed to see this act. This one, they have to go out and sit in the other room. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, but with both the kids, they, they became very comfortable being around other people. Josh would get up on stage and juggle. He was only little. Yeah. And uh, Christy would sit and critique all the acts. And then when they'd come off stage, she'd tell them what they needed to do right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and Ron would write taglines for them. So they loved it. They absolutely yeah. loved it. They had no, they're both very comfortable with groups of people. And I love that. You yeah. walk into a room, there's no... You won't find them in the corner. You'll always find them right. out there mingling. And, and I think you teach them that when they're little. Right. You put them in those environments that they become comfortable in it. And so both the kids are, are very good at just getting out and mingling and talking to people. Yeah. and it's, yeah. it's nice. Yeah. So anyway, once uh, Ron got a little bit older, his health he got a lot of health challenges. So he went to writing, started writing for The Tonight Show and Arsenio Hall. And wow. Uh, the different uh, and different TV produce shows. Okay. And 
And then uh, I was working for a company down in Washington, PA. I'm not sure if familiar with Western PA, but... Um, not very. Okay. Uh, we were living in an area called Large, okay. population 10,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked down in Large, PA. I was actually hired by a company out of West Virginia. Okay. And it was called Employer Service Corporation. Okay. It still is. It hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, they wanted to have a presence in PA. So they hired myself and another lady, Jane Lemon, to come in and give them a presence in Pennsylvania. So we started the company here in PA. Okay. And so we were located down in Washington. So for me, it was a 45-minute ride each way to work. And, uh, and so uh, I was there for five years. And so one night I was driving across Route 70, coming home from work, and I hear, prepare for change. And I said, I'm really not looking for a job. <laughs> and there was this dead yeah. silence. And the next day I got a phone call from a lady named Cindy, who was a headhunter, that helps people find jobs, yep. out of Chicago. Okay. And she said, I'm supposed to find you a job. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so one of the things that God had told me was that I would have seven job interviews. Okay. And so this was August of 97. And by October, middle of October, I'd had seven job interviews. Wow. And, uh, and now I didn't know which one I was supposed to get, but one of those interviews was out here. Okay. And so I, at this point, now have to kind of come clean with my husband and say, hey, this is what's been going on, because <laughs> he doesn't know anything. And uh, so I'm telling him that, you know, I've been interviewing God's telling me that something's going to happen. I don't know what it is yet. And uh, I, but I asked for a landmark, and he gave me this landmark of St. James uh, Presbyterian Church, and I don't know where it's at. Uh, my husband was much more, he was self-taught computers, uh, and so he was a little better at them than I was. So I said, Joe, I need you to find me where this is at. And uh, so he went on, he found it, and it was out here. And I had interviewed with Commercial Union Insurance, which was over in Ross Moyne okay. at the time. And I said, okay, well, then that's the job I'm going to get. Well, I got a call from Cindy, the headhunter, and she said they offered the job to someone else, um, but you were next in line for it. Uh, there was no, you didn't do anything wrong in the interview. And I said, okay. I said, well, I've also been offered a job by this company in Pittsburgh, and because my job is getting really uncomfortable at this point, I'm going to take that job. I'm going to go there. But when commercial union changes their mind, let me know. And we kind of laughed about it. And, yeah. and so I took this job in downtown Pittsburgh. <clears throat> Two weeks later, I get a call from Cindy. Hey, Terry, commercial union wants to offer you the job. <laughs> and I said, well, what happened? And they said, well, the lady that they offered it to, her company offered her a company car. Okay. And so she's going to stay with them. So they're willing to pay to move you out here. And I'm like, okay, good enough. So this now is, we're on to December. Yeah. Was there and, any doubt in your mind at that point? If, you know, you're, you're hearing from God, okay, prepare for change, and, and you're feeling like, feeling like Central PA because of St. James. Right, because of the well, landmark. Okay, it's going to be out there, the landmark. Right. And he, then and then you take this job in Pittsburgh. And you're right. Like, well, and I'm like, not. right. I saw because I I knew at some point I was coming out here. That was he he showed me he gave me the landmark. Yeah. That meant it had to have been this job. Now how that was going to happen, I had no clue, but I knew I was going to end up here because of the landmark. So I take this job in Pittsburgh. I'm there the two weeks, and now I have to go to my employer and say, sorry, I'm going out to Central PA. Yeah. So I explained to them what was going on. I had this calling. And I was just waiting. You, know, you, you get those looks and deer yeah, in the right, headlight. Right. right. And uh, so I explained this to my supervisor. I said, but I don't know why I'm going there. <laughs> okay. I just know that God wants me out there, you but I don't know why. You like. Oh, I, oh I, I'm questioning myself and my own sanity at sure, this point. Is yeah. this really, uh, what am I doing? And uh, I end up um, 
She says, well, okay. Well, the next day I go into work, because now I put my two-week notice in. I go in the next day, and the manager wants to see me. Oh, boy. So I get in the manager's office, and I'm explaining this all to her. And she said, Terry, I believe you. And we have a company out there. Would you stay with us, and we'll just have you start in Central PA. And I'm like, are you willing to move me? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, let me check. So the next day, her boss comes back, and they said, we can't move you. And I said, well, commercial union is offering the move, so I'm going to go with them. And she said, well, if it doesn't work out, no, you have a job with us. And I'm like, God creates safety nets. Uh, unbelievable, yeah. Uh, it's just like awesome. So now I go home and I said to Ron, all right, I'm taking the job. We're going out to Central PA. And he says, well, we've had a family meeting and we're really concerned about your mental health. And I said, okay, I'm going to Central PA. You let me know when you change your mind. And I said, oh, you can stay here with your mom. That's yeah. fine. I said, just let me know. I'll be out there. So a couple of days later, he comes back and he says, I'm going with you. And I said, okay. So, so I, I've got to ask, what, what made it so crystal clear in your mind that you were willing to put up with? I mean, that's, that's like an insult. Like, we're concerned about your mental health. And you're yeah. like, I... Okay, but I know that I know that I'm supposed to be there. Yeah, and I, well, part of me was really ticked at him. Okay. Okay, all right, part of me was like, seriously? Right. You, you got a lot of guts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But he was sitting there with his mother, and Christy was sitting there, and she was at that point ready to start her sophomore year of high school. Um, she was just in her first, and I'm like, had they not been sitting with her, I'm sure I would have had more to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't want to say anything in front of Christy or in front of his mom, and I just kind of went, mm, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm going. So just know that I'm going. You guys can figure it out from there. And since, uh, but since I was the breadwinner, it made it a little bit easier. Okay. <laughs> because me going sure. meant then they had to figure out what the three of them were going to do. Right. And Christy, I knew, would come with me. Yeah. But, uh, and our son was in college, so he had no clue what was going on. <laughs> we had just dropped him off for his yeah. senior year, yeah. and it was all about him. So, <laughs> Where was he going to school? Uh, he was in Bethany, West Virginia. Okay. So uh, Bethany far. College. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's actually funny because I was going to college the first couple years he was, and I was driving further to go to classes than he was, and he uh. was living on campus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but anyway, so we, uh, I did get out here. Uh, was here two months, and uh, I was living in a hotel along 15 while uh, Ron came out and started looking for a place for us to live. And we, had, we wanted to pick a good school district for Christy and all sure, that. So we yeah. knew once we got out here and started looking, we wanted to be in the CV school district. And uh, so we found the place over on Mountain View Village. So Ron goes up 81, comes across uh, Wordsville Road and Orr's Bridge, and he goes in and he calls me and he says, hey, Terry, I found a place for us. It's the last one. It's got two bedrooms. Da, da, da. I said, all right. And he said, can you get over here? So the girls give me directions coming off the Carlisle Pike across and down Orr's Bridge from that way. Was I drive past, I drive right past St. James Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. And I said to Ron, take the apartment. This is where we're supposed to be. And uh, so we lived there for a year. And... Uh, and then we had, uh, I, I call it a testing area. And, and God, you know, it's not enough that you move 200 miles and uproot everybody. Sure. But then there's going to be additional testing along the way. And one of that was a test that he given us. He, wanted, he gave me this vision of a child. And Christy was to meet with this child. But then they were to meet at the church, at the St. James Church. So, I went up at Valentine's Day and um, introduced myself to the pastor and just said, we're new to the community. Um, is there any programs you have that, you know, my daughter's in high school. Somehow she's supposed to meet with a child in your congregation or in your church. Um, and he said, oh, do you want to join our church? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, 
I, I just, they, they, yeah. they have to somehow meet. Sure. And, uh, and he kind of looked at me like I was this crazy person, which I'm now getting very used to You're this getting book. used to it, yeah. And uh, I said, do you have anything that involves children? And I said, God doesn't need a lot. He just, you know, so vacation Bible schools, you know, something that she can volunteer in. And I could not tell Christy what the child looked like because part of that was God would connect them. Right. So um, he pretty much blew me off and told me he was a busy man. He didn't have time for this stuff. So as Pastor Jim. I will never forget him. Cause that, uh, so anyhow, that uh, didn't hear from him after that. Well, Ron and I never miss an election. We take our right to vote very seriously. And as soon as we got out here, we went to register. Just happens our registration place was St. James. <laughs> How about that? I say God has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. So we went up and we uh, registered, and there they had the sign up for Vacation Bible School. So I signed Christy and I up. <laughs> I, uh, we leave. Ron just looks at me and says, you're stirring the crap again. I said, just doing what I'm told. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go home. I told Chris I registered us for vacation <clears throat> Bible school. Uh, I get a phone call in April. Vacation Bible school is going to start in June. And um, I hear, oh, you signed up. We're really excited about that. And I said, what do you mean to make any cookies? What do you mean to do? Oh, uh, no, that's fine. We're just glad you're going to come up. It's like, great. Then I get a phone call saying, we don't want you to come. And I'm like, excuse me? Well, we've decided we're only going to let the people that belong to our church are going to run the programs. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just come in and sit in the class. Uh, do you have an adult, an adult Sunday school class? And they said, yes. I said, great. Just register me in there. And they said, well, we'd really prefer if you not come. And I said, that's not really an option. I'm coming. Well, then I get a letter from the church asking me not to come. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, this is really weird. Yeah. So Christy's like, well, what are we going to do, Mom? I said, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and she, so I, I said, Deron, do you want to go with us? And he says, well, somebody's got to be here to keep the steaks in the refrigerator, in the refrigerator <laughs> you, or bail your butt out of jail or yeah. whatever's going to happen. Yeah. So we were laughing. So I uh, took Christy. We walked up. They had people waiting at the doors for us. Oh my! And she, and yeah, she's they like have a holding. Of you on the wall. I'm telling you, she's holding under my arm. So we walk through the front doors, and uh, I go to sign in. The lady grabs my arm, uh -huh. and uh, she says, "Pastor Jim wants to talk to you." He comes out of the adult class, and he says, "You're in my class." I said, "That's fine with me." Yeah. He says, "And her." So okay. So we sat in that class. And I listened to him teach Genesis from an evolution standpoint. Oh, and I wow. said, God, you've got a sense of humor, but you're killing me here. Yeah. And, uh, but Christy and I were in there every day. And I told her, you got to get out of this class because you're the one that's supposed to be mingling out here. Uh, but God makes things work because the last night, there was a number new in the kitchen that didn't know us. And Christy went to the kitchen, and she offered to help put the cookie trays together. And so she was in there helping out. And at the end of the night, I walked into the kitchen, and she was sitting at the table with this little girl in my vision. And the two of them were coloring. Hmm. I don't know. They're 10 years apart. She was 16. This little girl was 6. So I found, I did a little checking on the little girl. She didn't go to the church. Hmm. She was a neighbor of one of the kids that went there, and she just came for vacation Bible school. So I'm not sure if it was a test to see if we would do what God asked or whether there's something that will actually evolve later down the road right. with the two of them. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it except that God will test you. Yeah. And he Are wants they still to, in touch? No, they never saw each other again after that. Was that, that that one event? That's very interesting. And so it's... Yeah, it's, it's nothing ever, ever came out of it. Yeah. It was just a test. Yeah. And despite the obstacles that were put up, we did what we were told. And it was on the backside of that then that we, uh, we ended up going to a church down in Lemoyne. And that's where we, we had been going to different churches after we moved out here, but we really hadn't found a connecting church. 
Well, there was a, a pastor down in Lemoyne that we really liked. We ended up joining the church, and shortly after we joined it, um, the synod stepped in and removed all the leadership. Hmm. The daycare that had been there 10 years closed, and the preschool nursery that had been there for 20 years closes. And we're like, what is going on here? And uh, so one day I walked through the side door with a lady named Donna Siegel. And she says, isn't that really a shame about the nursery? And I said, my kids are grown. You know, I don't right, want yeah. nursery. And she said, well, it's down the pit. And I said, well, the, house, the church is all built on rocks. So everything is steps going down into areas. <clears throat> I walk into this room, where the, which was the nursery, and God says, this is where it will begin. Hmm. So I go running out of the room. I get down to Fellowship Hall, mm -hmm. and I yelled. Well, yeah, I just said to everybody, look, that room you call the pit, God has plans for it, and once I know what they are, I'll let you know. Yeah. And I went there, and I sat and just listened, and I wrote everything that he was telling me, and he started laying out bountiful blessings. Now, we didn't have the name for it, and it was, to just, it was going to just be an outreach. And uh, so I wrote everything down. I went through the protocols. I went to church council, got the approvals, and they said, um, we don't have any poor in this community. And I looked at him, I said, this is Lemoyne. Mm -hmm. I said, I haven't been out here that long, but you're either transitioning up or down from here. And, uh, and they said, well, we'll give you the space, but we really can't fund it or do anything with it. And the goal was they were hoping that within a year it would fold because okay. they didn't want it to... Um, we had there, were, there was a group within the church that probably should have been addressed early on that were problems okay. because they didn't want the, the diversity in the church. Understood. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand that thinking. So I was probably the rebel, which goes back to my earlier. Sure. So I don't have a problem standing up for things when they need stood up for. Right. And... Uh, so anyway, we uh, started the program, and Ron being the writer that he is, I said, I need you to write little articles and tell people what we're doing. So he did. He put them out in the free papers, and I wrote a letter to Giant, and Giant sent us a $200 gift card, and that's what we started the program with. Wow. And so uh, January 5th of 2001, we opened our doors, and no one came. <laughs> and January 19th, we opened our doors. And no one came. And have you seen the movie Patch Adams? Yep. Okay. Terry had a mountaintop. All right, God, what are you doing? Yeah. I've moved 200 miles. I've done everything you've asked me to yeah. do. Where are the people? Yeah. Are you going to make them? Are you going to make them right? Or are you going to be right? Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, the next session, we had five families. The first <clears throat> session of February, and then within uh, two years, we went to serving 82 families. Every two weeks, five counties and two states were coming to that little church. Wow. And at that point... That was within two years. That was, was, that was within two years. So by 2003, you were and serving 82 families. Right. Every two multiple weeks. multiple locations. No, one location. Oh, In this yeah, little church in Lemoyne. Yeah, yeah, right. They were coming to us from... There was such a need for non-food items. Right. People, there are plenty of food banks, but no one was offering the non-food. Right. And these were things that weren't covered under food stamps. So they did, so they, um, so they were coming for that. So they would come and they'd receive. They had to volunteer back time. But again, it's an outreach of the church. So we were able to create other things with it. And we created a clothing side that my husband, would, being the joker that he is, would go over and put on the ladies' clothes. <laughs> and him and Nedra would stand over there. And so we would charge a dollar a bag. And that dollar would come back over to buy product for the families so it was really they were just recycling it to themselves and then whatever else we could raise so in 2003 uh, we went I had to become a 501c3 so that I could write grants go after other sources of income and uh, at that point I I thought we were going to be growing uh, and maybe we needed now to think about other sites but in 2004 I got hit with cancer mm. and so uh, we had a year of battling cancer, got through all that, 
I knew I was going to make it through because God wasn't done with me yet. Yep. And on the backside of the cancer, I went through chiropractics, which was actually wonderful on the back end of cancer because it gets all your nerve endings going. So I'm up here in Harrisburg, actually not far from here. And uh, I'm driving home after the one treatment, and I drive past um, Charlton United Methodist Church over on Mountain Road. Okay. And God says, there's your next site. I hit the brakes. My husband goes flying forward. <laughs> He's like, tell me when God talks to you. Right. We went back. We write down the address. I called them the next day. And uh, Pastor Lydic says, oh, yeah, uh, we're looking for something that was different. So we went up, met with them. Well, the Methodist Church, it was three months till we got through all the protocol. But we got in there. We got up and rolling. And Vita Franklin ran that program. Well, Pastor Lydic was having lunch then with Pastor Zabolski, who heads the Church of the Nazarene over in Middletown. So I get this phone call. Hey, Terry, my name is Pastor Zabolski. How soon can I meet with you? Yep. And I'm like, well, I'm on late shift this week, so if you can meet with me at 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't have to be at work till 10. He's like, all right, all right. So I drive up there. Ron and I do our dog and pony show. And he says, okay, well, how soon can we get started? And I'm like, you don't have to go through everybody. Right. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, well, give me 30 days because I need to get shelves in and figure out where we're going to get your supplies from and everything. So th um, now... Pastor Zabolski, that Middletown church, is our oldest church, and it's from 2006. That's amazing. And uh, he's still he's still on board. He says we saved his church. He gives us credit. He said, they brought him in to fold that church. And he said, I brought you in, and we saved it. Wow. And that that's church neat. has been growing and growing ever since. That's great. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we've continued. That's <clears throat> pretty much been the story is that we've continued. I don't pick the sites. God picks them. Yep. I don't go out and solicit them. They come to us, and I tell them. You know, when we go in and I meet with them, I say, I'm going to present this to you. And if it's a match, it's because God wants you wants us in here. Um, I didn't come to you. You came to me. And it's, it's, your, it's God's decision. Right. And, uh, and he wants to grow your church if this is where you want us. Yeah. And so everywhere we go, that's, we grow churches. That's what we do. Uh, and it's not just that church. Uh, it's because what happens is that people come in and they have to volunteer back time. It's their thank you. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much you earn. But you will volunteer back time as a thank you for what you're getting. And so they do. They volunteer back time. And what does that look like? Is it with Bountiful Blessings or with that no, church? No, it has to be in the church, in the host <clears throat> church. So they're building those relationships with the people that are volunteering there. So that could be people in the congregation. Mm -hmm. It may be people just in the community that have come in. But they're getting to know them. And then they're, whenever they're, uh, they come in, they register, they go in the room, they shop. Well, while they're finishing up their shopping, then they are offered prayer. You know, is there anything that we could be praying for you for? And when people start to share something that's personal to them, you're now connecting with them on a different level. Absolutely. And you're building those relationships. Yep. And and we set it up so when they come in, they, we have their first name written next to their address because they show their ID uh, to confirm that that's you know, where they live. Mm -hmm. But then the people can start greeting them by name. And we try to do everything to build on those relationships. And we send some volunteer activities, and then the church has things that needs done. And anything the church may already even be doing, if these the families connect in with that, now they're getting to know more members. Mm -hmm. And they're continuing. Uh, we encourage them either to return to the church that they grew up in, uh, if they just fell away from it. If they're near the community, we encourage them to come to that church mm -hmm. uh, where they're building the relationships now. And as of the end of 2019, one in three families that don't have a church, when they come through our doors, mm -hmm. within a year have returned to the church. One in three? One in three. Wow. And so the system works. I mean, what God has laid out works. Yeah. Uh, we just, and I go back every, about every 18 months and do a retraining 
because inevitably they think they can do it better. <laughs> and so I have to go back in and say, no, that's not the system. You tweaked it somewhere. Right. Or they'll say, well, we're not getting the same results. What did you change? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to come back in and retrain. Okay. And then they'll go, oh, I guess we stopped doing that. Okay. <laughs> so it could be anything from you know, playing the Christian music to maybe the uh, there are certain things you do that are more subliminal and, and uh Example being is that when they come through and they're checking out, they put their items onto the table. I have somebody sitting at the table that marks off the barcodes. Well, it's an extra step. And they'll, but they think it's easier if you just mark off the barcodes when it comes in and put on the shelf. It's not sending the same message. Right. The, the subliminal message is you cannot sell this. You cannot return it to the store. You're not going to make any money off it, so don't take more than you need. And so there are little things that are and the messages that come along because they'll say, well, they're taking everything. Well, are you marking off the barcodes ahead of time or are you marking them off at the table? Yeah. So there's, there's little things you do <clears throat> that you know, just teach life lessons. Yeah. Don't be greedy. Right. You know, you've got, you, it sounds like you've got a pretty good system in place for, so now you're in how many locations? Twenty. 20 locations. Mm -hmm. We have two more coming on in April. Okay. Uh, but we have, and they'll be in Western PA. We have uh, 10 here, three in Huntington County. And by locations, we're talking about churches. Churches where people would come to. Right. Uh, and we are not affiliated to any denomination. Sure. It's wherever God calls us. Now, they're all Christian churches. Yeah. So I'm clear about that. We don't uh, go into any other churches. Okay. Um, so they're all Christian-based. My calling is to grow the Christian sure. church. Yeah. So we come alongside the church uh, and help them uh, to grow. And uh, and it's good for the community as a whole. Yeah. You know, just to, to bring Christian values sure. back into the communities. And, uh, so. and so you have how many warehouse locations? One. Just one. Now, we've got the vision... Right. It is going to be that there will be 11 warehouse office spaces across the United States. So, and so you're, you're just at the beginning. Right. My, my, 20 years in, you're just at the beginning. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so my job is to uh, keep the vision alive. Yeah. I hope to live long enough to see you know, at least two or three of those up and rolling. Yeah. And so I did bring a guy on last year under my board for growth and expansion okay. that does franchising. And for that sole purpose that uh, we will be able to duplicate the warehousing just like we're duplicating the sites. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yes, there'll be 11 regional offices across the U.S. Uh, the next one will be in southern West Virginia. They'll, and that one will pick up Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia. Yeah. Um, where do, you, where do you get the items? Are they donated? Well, we have eight core items that we guarantee. So those eight core items, when they are not donated, we have to purchase them. So we spend thousands of dollars a year buying okay. items. And that's where the grants come into play and some of that other money. That helps. Money. Yep. That definitely helps. Mm -hmm. uh, donation dollars are mainly uh, businesses and individuals. Sure. But uh, some churches will do collections for us. Sure. Collection bins. And some of the churches have us on their, as their outreach, at one of the charities that they support. So that all helps us, too. Okay. Um, but the, uh, okay, where was I going with this? We were talking about 11 locations, southern West Virginia. Yeah. Kentucky. That's where the, that one will serve out, will continue to serve, will be. Yeah, you were talking about you brought in a guy to the board that does uh, franchising. Yeah. So Don has... Uh, he will, when we're ready to go to West Virginia, he will help us in duplicating what we're doing now down there. All the sites run like little, little franchises. Uh, and I tell them, when you go to McDonald's, they all look the same, right. but they don't all feel the same. Right. And it's the same idea. The system stays pure. Yeah. But you can put your own flair on it. Just don't change the system. Right. And so that's what we do. Okay. And, uh, and the warehousing will be the same. And that right now, where we're at, I need more space. I, I've outgrown where I'm at, uh, but we're not financially ready to go to more space. Uh, 
short of it being donated or, um, but we need probably five to 10,000 right now. Right now we definitely need five. We'll grow into 10 uh, because we haven't even gone east yet. Yeah. So if you're Philly, Reading, <laughs> we haven't touched that. We'll go, we'll go to the um, ocean from here, figure yeah. four hours east. Right. Uh, so we haven't touched any of that. Right. So I think we'll easily be a 10,000-square-foot warehouse at some point we'll need. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, each, everybody has to do something to help themselves. So the recipients have to volunteer back time. The churches have to do one thing a year that to show they're helping themselves. Right. Well, I said, we can't be hypocrites here. So the warehouse has to do something to help themselves. Well, God's going to give you a nugget. And so two years ago, Juan and I go to have dinner with friends. And I go out in the back, and I said, hey, what you doing? He said, I'm just stripping this stuff down. I said, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> so he's explained to me a little bit about scrapping and about he takes the medals and how he takes them to Cameron Street. And I said, was that something the charity could be doing? And he said, well, I guess. And my husband looked at me and said, you can't do one more thing. <laughs> yeah. And I said, so I kind of just tucked it away. Uh, and then that November, it was when I was killed. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't forget. So and, and it was really bothering me that we have not done anything to set the example, but we're telling other people they have to do things to help themselves. Right. So in uh, 19, I said, I'm, I wanted to do a test market and see if it's something we could do to make a little bit of money to help with transportation costs and also to set that example. Mm-hmm. So we did. We started playing with it. We made $1,000. And I said, all right. So I went to the board and I said, I think we can do something with this. Well, 2020 hits <laughs> and COVID hits. Yep. And I said, we are going to do this because we need to cover our transportation costs to get the stuff to the sites because our support system, the churches and right. small businesses are now all been told to close. Right. So I'm going to the churches and saying, you're not allowed to close <laughs> because they're saying that the charities have to stay open. Yeah. So I have to be open. You have to be open. Right. So we're figuring out how they're going to serve. So we did. We got them out in the parking lots. We started doing drive throughs uh, the families are all now trying to get their volunteer time in because they gave them an extra three months, but they still got to get it all in. Uh, so, it, so it's been a little crazy, but we ended up doing over $5,000 last year, which covered our transportation costs to get the stuff to the churches. Yeah. So I said, God gave me a nugget in 18, never knowing what it was for. Right. And sometimes he does that. He gives you nuggets, but you don't know what, why. Right. But in 2020, when we needed it, it got us through. Yeah. And so now we have created Heavenly Hollers Ministry, which is the scrapping side. And all the money that we create from scrapping goes in to cover our transportation costs. So that the donation dollars now go all towards helping families. Right. And we're somewhere in the 95% to how are able to get back to the families. Wow. So... Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Taking advantage of opportunities that come up. Yeah, that's great. Oh, you have to always be thinking and creating and knowing God's giving you, he gives you these little pieces. You just got to be paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's fun. That's neat. <clears throat> so one thing that's striking about listening to you talk is how you're so certain that it's God's voice. Yes. How do you, how, do you, how would you articulate that? How do you know? What is it? Well, for me... When I was in my early 30s, and I went through a time where I was going, all right, uh, God, why am I here? Uh, I was born to teenage parents. My parents were 16 and 18 when I was born, and by all rights, probably shouldn't be here. Yeah. And uh, I said, so why am I here? What's my purpose? And... I used to drive around and get lost intentionally on my way home, finding new roads or just going off. Uh, they didn't have GPS back then. <laughs> <laughs> they had maps. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I would, I would just drive around, and I'd say, okay, God, get me home. And I would start to 
feel, you could feel the nudges. Mm -hmm. You would hear, turn here. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that realm of trying to learn God and what he, how he spoke to me, I learned his voice. I learned his nudges. I learned when he was, when and how he would speak to me. So it's just, just like, just like you would with any other person is spending time with them. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. And so I, I would spend that time <clears throat> and, and I put myself in a position that there was no way I was going to get out of it unless I heard it. Yeah. Because how else was I going to get home? Right. Okay. Right. So I, I, I deliberately would get lost with that yep. intent was to hear his voice. And, and so that's how I learned it. So whenever I got the calling coming across 70, I knew it was God. Because you're familiar I, with the voice. Because I was familiar now with his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I knew his nudge. Yeah. And it was no different. Every time we <clears throat> have had to move, it's been because it's been the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, now what? Yeah. And God would come right in. And every time it was always to make sure we were always at the bottom of the ninth and there was no other options. And that's when he would show up. Yeah. So that he would always get the glory. Right. Because there's no other way it would have happened. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and everywhere I've gone, he's put me in with Christian landlords, which is pretty cool too. That is neat. Yeah, and I didn't know that when I get, when I land there. Yeah, but it's uh, the the where I'm at now. Alan Rimmer is my landlord. Okay, and I think it's probably one of the coolest stories. Is that I was working well at that time. I was working for Nationwide Insurance. Okay, and I'm driving home. We're in the we had gotten a call at the at the end of May, saying uh, that we had to get out. We were in the Perks building on Bayshore Road, and the uh, coroner's office was expanding because at that point was shortly after the whole thing went down in Carlisle with the drugs on the bodies that was being taken. Yeah. Well, they expanded the coroner's office in Mechanicsburg. They got the grant from the county, which meant the coroner's office was our neighbor. So he was expanding into our space, and we had 30 days to get out. Oh, wow. So Ron and I are driving all over the place trying to find a place to, that we could afford to go. Mm-hmm. And we're now in the last week of June. We have not found anything. And I'm coming down uh, 81, get onto Wurtsville Road, which is how I normally come home. Mm-hmm. And then I normally just hit Lamb's Gap and go up over the pike. Well, that day, God says, go straight. So I'm driving along Wurtsville, never been in that section of it. Driving and driving, and I get down to uh, between the Rite Aid and Turkey Hill. There's a road that runs in between there. It's called Keystone. He says, turn right. So I turn, and there's a sign uh, from NAIC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't listen to that stuff. So I went over, and I knocked on the door. (laughs) And I said, I understand you have something for rent here. And Alan came out of his office, and I said, can I look at it? Go back. It's all gravel on the floor. It just got two by fours up. And he had said that he built that section on for his wife because she wanted to have an ice cream parlor. Mm. And then they realized location didn't work. And so it's been sitting. And he thought he'd maybe rent it. And then once he figured who was going to go in there, he would develop it for that. Right. And I said, well, how long would it take you to pour a floor? And he said, well, I can do that. I said, all right. Um, so what do you want for it? He says, I don't know. I was going to let the realtor hand. I said, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he says, well, what can you afford? And I said, well, I really don't have any money. I said, but I said, maybe, you know, five bucks a square foot or something. How much space do you have here? And he said, about 17, 1800 square feet. And I said, okay. And he said, do you have that? And I said, no. <laughs> I says, no. but God will provide it. I think this is where he wants me. And he said, huh? And I said, well, God gave me directions to come here. I think this is where he wants me to be next. And I think you're supposed to rent me that space. <laughs> and Alan just looks at me. And uh, and he says, okay. And I said, 
Yeah, I need to be out in a week. Can you have that floor laid? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't know what was going through his head, but he says, okay. <laughs> he just says, okay. He rents me the space for $1,000 a month. Wow. And I didn't have $1,000 a month. And he says to me, okay, do we want to do an agreement? And I said, I don't think you want to do an agreement with me. And he said, why not? And I said, you don't know if I can pay my rent yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, okay. And I said, why don't we wait and make sure I can pay the rent before, before you get into a lock into agreement? He said, okay. From that day on, I've been there nine years. We have never missed a rent payment. That's amazing. God has provided every month. Yeah. That space was too big for us. We moved in, and now we're busting at the seams, and we need more room. Yeah. And so I have to believe that God's going to do the same thing. Yeah. Everyone's right now yelling at me that's inside going, Terry, we need more space. We need more space. I said, I know. Yeah. But, uh, but when the time is right, yeah. God will show me where we're going. Yeah. It'll all come together, yeah. and it'll be more than we can handle, and God will provide. Yeah. Just, uh, just two more questions here as we kind of wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you, how would you measure the success of Bountiful Blessings? I think our success is measured in the bringing people back to Christ. I think that's the biggest one: getting people back into the church. And I think the other piece is is really newer. Um, since we have built the Heavenly Haulers piece, the scrap metal side. What we've been doing is working a lot with the ARD programs and parole. We do groups that come in, but predominantly, and since then, we've had uh, two people baptized. I give them all Bibles. We pray over them. <clears throat> and uh, and so, unknowingly, I mean, that wasn't the... I didn't know that's what we were going to do. Right. But in our effort to not be hypocritical and make sure we had something ourselves we were doing. Uh, and then, I, of course, because we're a 100% volunteer army, we have no paid staff. That means everyone that comes through, I need volunteers. Right. And it was a great resource uh, for us to have volunteers. Uh, but the people that we have that have come back and have stayed with us, they finish up their time and they're still coming back. And we're probably running about 25% of those that we've put through that are still... I'll get this call because they all have my cell phone. Because I tell them, the rules are very simple. You have one time. I said, if you're going to be late, you call into work, you hit your toe, I don't care, you call me. No call, no show. Don't don't even call me. Just don't show up. You're done. And so they all have my cell number because they know. And, uh, And so after they leave, they stole my cell number. So I'll get this call. Hey, Terry, there's such and such on the side of the road. I'll get it and bring it over. (laughs) (laughs) But they do. So it's really neat. We become a big family. Yeah. And I really, that's what I feel like. It's it's our family. Yeah. You know, that's that's my, all my volunteers are, are my extended family. That's cool. And I think when the next warehouse goes in, you know, this happened to be, Heavenly Hollers was right for us. It was the right fit for our us setting the precedence of giving back. Right. But when they, the next one, I think they've got to figure out what's right for them. Right. What'll be the right program in their area that's going to make a difference. Yep. Uh, I think Heavenly Haulers is making a difference here for us and we're going to keep it. Sure. And we'll just keep expanding on it. Uh, I'd love to be able to do a fire pit somewhere and a prayer garden and have a whole you just have one of those grills that the guys can kind of hang out there yeah, and yeah. and just big overstuffed couches. We've got workbenches and just a place where then older men teaching younger men, bringing them to Christ. And uh, we've got a whole crew of, of Christ-centered guys that are are there helping them. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of like mom to everybody. Yeah. My job's hugs. <laughs> yeah. You have to find job. Last question is, you know, you're so passionate about what you're doing 20 years in. How do you how do you keep that level of excitement and passion about it? I think it's because I'm doing I know I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm confident in that. And so 
I can't imagine not doing it, and I think I'll do this until I die. Yeah, I'll I'll be eighty. Yeah, I'll probably live well into my nineties. Kids say I'll be a hundred, but uh, I, I'll be part of the process yeah. until then. Until you know, God hands me the next person. I'll hand them the torch, but yep. I'll still be hanging out somewhere in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's neat. How how can uh, how can the listeners? How can anybody out there participate in the work you're doing? How can they get in touch with you? Well, I would say probably uh, we always need volunteers. Yeah, uh, that's there's never a uh, surplus of those. We need everybody. Uh, the way you can help is that if you have a business and we can put either a coin box or a bin or something that people could drop off. Uh, we always need financial help like every charity. That hasn't sure. changed. And then I would say as far as the warehouse goes, we really need a pallet jack. Okay. And ours has the wheels have busted off. It's, okay. And so the guys have been asking me. if I, And we're also looking for a truck with a lift because we hand load and unload because the warehouse isn't big enough for a forklift. Okay. So everything is done by hand. And my guys are anywhere from... You know, 50 to 70. Wow. Yeah. So they uh, would really like a lift truck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would say those are the things we need for the warehousing. Uh, and then, of course, always more space. Yeah. But uh, the products, our core items that we collect are toilet paper, paper towels, trash bags, dental care, hair care, soap, a cleaner or laundry, and trash bags. So those are the things we guarantee the families will always have. Those are the things we believe you can't live without. And then everything else over and above that, we tell them when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so when we run out of the core items, we have to buy them. And that's where we spend a lot of money. Okay. So the more that we can get donated in, in those core products is uh, what we appreciate. Okay. okay. Great. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for sharing all of that. So many good ideas packed into this story. Everything from just going after it to the importance of a system. Great content. Make sure to check out Bountiful Blessings on their website and social media and definitely support what they're doing. Remember to connect with me as well. Share, leave a comment, leave a question, leave a review. Let me know how much you're enjoying these episodes. The late American activist and clergyman William Sloan Coffin said about faith. I love the recklessness of faith. First you leap, and then you grow wings. See you next time.